to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Man Up podcast, the Man Up, the spiritual oasis for men. I'm Steve Titch. I'm sitting in as host for Bill Cox, who is off on some family business on his way to Michigan uh, for the next two weeks. We wish him well, and we wish you a happy new year. This is podcast 135. Uh, we are, is the first of 2020. I am here with two of our great panelists. Uh, Robert Koshu, our professor, corporate trainer, and in-house theologian, and our prosecutor, we call him the judge, Mike Cropper. Hi, and uh, we hope you're doing fine. We hope things are off to a, to a good new year. Uh, we want to say a special hello to our other panelist, our other regular, Kyle Trahan, whose year got off to a bit of an inauspicious start. Uh, I think uh, he had a collision with an unleashed... Pitbull on his, I think it was his new new bicycle, new bicycle, new bicycle. I, I hope I and he the, lost. The, yes, he <laughs> lost. I, I for for those, the dog came out fine. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Kyle came out with a torn bicep and a chipped elbow. We all hope to have him back in a week or two, and he can tell you all about it himself. But our prayers and thoughts go out to him, and we know he is listening in. So hope you're doing well. Uh, get well soon. And we'll hope to see you uh, in church Sunday, maybe, and certainly we hope to see you in the next week or two here. And where is here, as Bill likes to say? We are coming to you from Sugarland Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas, just outside of Houston. And uh, we are studying Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, we're going to do a double lesson today since we've been off uh, two weeks for the holidays. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Colossians chapter 1, 29, I'm sorry, 1, 24 through 29. Then when we come back from the break, we'll look at Colossians 2, 1 through 7. And we're going to continue building on uh, this letter that Paul has, been, has written to the Colossian church, uh, which, uh, in his opinion, has been a good church, although he didn't plant it. Uh, and uh, he is concerned about false teaching in it. But he is really reiterating in this lesson, uh, and that is pretty much the theme of all 13 weeks, that really Christ is all you need. He provides salvation. He provides sanctification. This is not a a Christ-plus religion, as many were we're saying, and he, and he continues to say it this time, and, and that, that's a little later on down the line, but the concern has been uh, that uh, Paul makes clear that Jesus was both uh, man and God, uh, the great mystery, and that's, that's kind of where we're going to pick up on this idea of the mystery of Christ. So guys, would you like to go ahead and, and read the scripture, and then we can dive right in? Yeah, yeah we, since we're covering yeah. two, yeah, let's yeah. 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 Um, we'll do that. Before I read real quick, just Happy New Year to everyone. Um, new decade, new year. <laughs> so, going to start out Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, 
in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present to every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Thank Paul, you. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. Paul, uh, folks, this part, if you're following along with us, uh, Paul has been telling us he, he did not visit the Colossian church, if you remember, if you've read anything about it. Epaphras started this, his good friend started the Colossian church, and he's read, he's written uh, the book of Colossians, or the letter of Colossians to the Colossi church, and he's telling them how much he loves them and how much he's heard about them, how great they are and his understanding of their serving the Lord. And in this particular passage that Robert reads, uh, uh, he's talking about his, his own calling from the Lord to, to minister the gospel of Christ. And we'll talk about that maybe in just a few more minutes because he calls the gospel of Christ the mystery of Christ and the hope of glory. And he tells us that he can be happy in sufferings. He can be happy when he's in his flesh. He can be happy in afflictions. Uh, as long as he is doing what he believes God wants him to do, and that's simply ministering the gospel of Christ. And uh, he calls this a mystery because from the, from the time beginnings past, from Genesis on, when Adam and Eve uh, uh, sinned and separated us from God, there has been little reflections throughout the Old Testament and little inferences that, that God would someday redeem us. And the uh, Old Testament uh, uh, Torah and many of the, the beliefs of the Jewish people uh, believe that one day a Messiah would come and be king and reign as a king and restore the kingdom of heaven or the king of God with the kingdom of man. Um, and w- one thing... Keep in mind, uh, and, and that's well. I'll, I'll come back to that. Anybody you want to comment on that? Right. Quick. Well, there's it, more it, to it, it than it's, that. It's the fullness of Christ. The mystery is the development of Christ's work on the cross, mm-hmm. of coming straight from God and putting Himself up as the sacrifice to redeem the world. Yes. You know everything from we just celebrated Christmas, and so if. I'm not mistaken, I think we're now officially in the epiphany of the Lord after the Lord was presented Mm -hmm. at the temple. Uh, And so if you're looking at a traditional church calendar, but we just, everything from the manger all the way through the cross, the death, and the resurrection was all part of God's plan. Yes. And that's the... How do we know that? How do we know that? And we know that because it's, A, it's in the, it is... In the Old Testament, right. all the right. way through, there's fantastic, it, it's yeah. unfathomable, unfathomable, the prophecies that are fulfilled in Christ. And then just the fact that he resurrected. And we know that just because of ourselves and what we experience and what we live as Christians and that faith. And yeah, is there a leap of faith? Absolutely there is. The, the, the mystery here, to. and this is... This is 
so unique to the Christian religion that it's it's always somewhat understood that God is as much in you Absolutely. as he is out there, if you want to get colloquial about it. God is, is the, the, the crucifixion not only cleansed us from our sin, it, it, allowed our, it allowed our hearts to be open. It allowed us to approach the Lord with open hearts and actually let our lives become spirit-directed. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much being a Christian is, you know, what you do or what rules you follow or what codes or, or disciplines, but it's ha- it's allowing the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of your life. And that is hard to understand because most religions traditionally is, oh, what do I have to do to get right with God? You're already right with God. Now your process of sanctification comes. And what that mystery is, is if you begin to really focus on that, those, those things that clutter, you know, not only clutter, but otherwise occasions of sin, let's call it the occasion of sin, which is in the Catholic act of contrition, sure. will, will fade away. You'll find, that you'll find less occasion of sin, more, more fulfillment in the Lord, more of this fullness from Christ. Um, it's, it's very strange because in the, it's certainly in the Protestant tradition, we don't work at our salvation, but we kind of, I, I won't even, I want to be very careful because I, I don't want to, because I'm not, a, I'm not a, a seminarian. In a way, there's also the sanctification process, which if you don't work at it, it's maybe being open to it and engaging in practices that keep you open to it. And, and those are the disciplines. Those aren't so much the rules. This is why I like to, it, fasting is not a rule, but it's a way to keep you open to the spirit. Same thing with with prayer, same thing with meditation, same thing with Bible study. These are ways that open your heart to this mystery that Paul writes about. Okay, so so let's think about it this way. This is a way it was at one point, I think, described to me, and I don't remember who, but it's a great way to think about it. So think about a glass of water. And we start out our lives with a glass of water and just say the water represents the world. Drop a, you accept Christ, so you drop a marble in the glass. What's going to happen? The water's going to raise a little bit, right? You start attending church regularly. Put another marble in. Now I'm doing Sunday school. Throw another one in. Now I'm not watching certain shows anymore. Okay. Throw a couple of more marbles in. Okay. I decide to have a quiet time every day. There's a few more marbles. Meditate on God's scripture. A few more marbles. Eventually, what happens is, if the water glass was full with the world, then it overflows with the world, and eventually you end up with a lot more marbles in there, and you may have some water kind of permeating everything about, which I have a whole thing that we'll talk about when we go into the next (laughs) lesson, Um, but as you look at it, you're full of marbles, Christ, Mm -hmm. in the way you live, and the world's just kind of in there versus having the world there from the beginning. So you're putting little parts in at a time, and it's crowding out the things, as you said, Steve, of the world as you look at it. Oh, that's good. That's so good. a great way I, to look at it. If you indulge me for just a couple moments, too, what I looked at was, was uh, 
Paul refers to Christ as hope of glory. Folks, you've all heard that if you've been in church at all or any length of time, whether you whether you are a born-again Christian or a believer or a strong believer in the Lord, you've heard the, the words of hope of glory. And so my question, as you all might know, is, is first of all, what is hope? Uh, a, a feeling of expectation, desire for a certain thing to happen. And to cherish, a second definition is to cherish and desire with anticipation to want something to happen or be, be true. And then my question to all of you to get you to reflect is, is what did you hope for when you were a child? Did your hope did your hope change from the time you were a child to what you are today? As a child, you might have hoped for toys for Christmas, certain mm-hmm. toys, right? Certain friends that you don't really think about your parents being around all the time. But what, as a teenager, what do you hope for? Did you hope for good grades? Men, did you hope for a girlfriend? Ladies, did you hope for a, a boyfriend that's cute? Car! <laughs> Car! A car! <laughs> I left that one off. Uh, possibly one day having a good job. Black Camaro uh, Trans Am. To please your parents, that's right. Well, we got, we got something out of Robert. That was Robert. <laughs> uh, as a young adult, do you hope for a good job? A wife who's attractive, loving, a Christian? Mm-hmm. Uh, you hope for advancement, success at your work, to be a boss. As a middle-aged adult, and, and this would be, what, between 40 and 60, you hope that you raise children. You hope that you lead them in a direction that will, will honor Christ, right? And they will follow your direction, right? Success, at, you hope to be successful at your op- occupation, maybe no layoffs. Many of uh, many of us have experienced layoffs in different different occupations we have. You hope for to have a home someday and a good car. Robert said that as a teenager, we dream about that. And he's right. I did. I had a Dodge Charger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you hope to educate your children one day. And finally, as a senior adult, which I am, folks, if y'all haven't figured that out, uh, I hope for long life, health, hope to continue serving Christ and to be a good example for Christ. Now, now, the here kind of thing we're coming to right now is, 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 as a Christian, what do we hope for? And, and Steve has set a great environment of, of, of what we believe and what we should be believing as Christians. And uh, Robert has mentioned that, too. And I can't recite all of everything you guys said, but it was good. But but my question then is, what is, is the hope of glory? To me, it's very simple. I, I mean, each day we hope to walk with Christ. We hope to love our family we hope to do good we hope to do well but the hope of glory to me is eternal life right and doing what God wants us to do and as Steve said faith is the key for here for the Christian not your works your works will be good if you serve the Lord and if you believe in it and if you trust him and if you follow him and you pray and read the Bible but the whole point uh, to me when, when, when Paul says what is Christ to you, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, I think of eternal life. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the, there's the hope. There's earthly hope. You, you went, Those were nice steps. Because each, each phase of your life, you have different, different hopes. And, and, and with luck, they, they mature. Uh, uh, our hopes at our age are definitely different than they were when, when we were younger. And, and all of those, yeah, yeah. hope for a good job, hope for a... A, a living hope for a good savings, yeah. uh, for a good retirement. Yeah, good retirement. Um, good point. This, but, and then, and then these levels, these hopes are more like. There's a difference between 
and I'll make the extension, hoping for eternal life. Because yeah. part of that is is you buy in, you, I mean, the goal is, and you're really trying to buy in to the certainty of this. You don't know, you, you only know that there are these writings that go back thousands of years, and there is a person who, who, who people who met him and wrote about him testified to the fact that he was the Messiah, that he was God incarnate, not 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 people 400 years later, people at the time, the next generation of that, men and women, men, men we have, um, the way things were, we got mostly writings from men like Arrhenius, um, who were in the, you call the second generation, who lived in the... Uh, early church fathers. Early church fathers, that's what yeah. they called them, who, who, had fir- who were mentored by Peter, Paul, the apostles, and those first first generation disciples. Most of them died. Most of them were executed. Yes. Um, yet when this is the this is this is one of the the most telling things. They did never recanted. Even no. even two generations. You know, not well. Well, you know that they never said. Well, that's what, that's what that guy Peter from from Judea told me. Forget it. He's they they had this certainty that when faced with the earthly powers, yeah, they he, they sided with. This unseen, this this yeah. this, this story of this yeah. man he, he they never met who rose from the dead. Yes. Deniers until the um, third or fourth generation. Yeah. Most of the or first, all of the first generation, to our knowledge, the vast vast majority of the second generation, mm-hmm. all were martyred mm-hmm. before they would recant. You didn't start having any recanting mm-hmm. really till the third or fourth generation of Christians. You know, and the fact that it grew mm-hmm. to the point that it conquered the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, it was amazing. But I think to, to get where I'm going is kind of the mature hope. It's more than just hoping Sally will go to the prom with me, <laughs> or, or hoping, or hoping that Dad's going to buy me a Camaro. Sure. Or um, there's there's something Black much. Tops. More, there's. I mean, there are, there are probably parallels, yeah, but the yes. idea is that I'm, I'm going to work toward this because I, I guess you'd call it complete buy-in. I'm going to choose. I'm to make the choices. I, I'm going to make sure. because this is where I'm putting my hope and faith. Let me read verse 29 again, and then something from our author, the author mm-hmm. of the study, and we're in the Connect 360, mm-hmm. um, fullness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Is the lesson. So verse 29 says, For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works in me. The word striving here in the Greek actually means being fully engaged (laughs) in Christ's ministry. And if you think about, so I'm a corporate trainer, as everybody's heard, um, and we do, I do a lot of stuff around employee engagement. And how do you keep your employees engaged? And how do you keep them happy? And how do you know they're not just showing up like robots doing your work? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think we'll start really talking about this in our next lesson, but how do you start to make sure that your church members aren't just showing up to do the church thing, yep. but they're fully engaged in the ministry of Christ? And I think mm-hmm. that's where the genuine church comments come in as we look at it. But in this part, I think it's talking about to start with, you have to solve... How does the mystery of Christ fit within you? Yeah. 
before you can mm-hmm. get there to get to the fully engaged part. Because yes. part of it is you can have the most, as an employee, engagement thing. I can have the best program in the world with ping pong tables and free mm-hmm. 15 different kinds of coffee and free sodas and here's your free sushi and all that out on the table and I'm going to give you three weeks of vacation and you can ride a scooter around the office but unless I get the buy-in from the employees on all of that, none of that matters. Matter of fact, there's a lot of studies right now that say a lot of that is superfluous to employee engagement. And just like with the church, you know, if you don't have that internalized part, and we'll talk more about the church itself, but if you don't start with the internalization of the acceptance of Christ and the hope of your salvation through his work, what Steve has talked about and what you brought up, Mike, then you don't really have that particular hope because you're not fully engaged. Yeah, the hope you said, Steve, and, and everything, yes, it's more than just wanting something or desiring something. It is exercising faith and continuing on with your life, doing the things that we believe will cause you to grow in Christ. And in many of the cases, like you said, Robert, it wasn't a problem to see what these these apostles believed the disciples because they died for what they believed they were obviously now what the question they were is, engaged <laughs> yes, they were engaged yeah that's very good we're going to continue this discussion and how it plays into uh, taking that ministry from inside and then putting it to work in a group in just a moment you are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. We're back. Uh, This is the Man Up podcast, the Spiritual Oasis for Men. We are discussing Paul's letter to the Colossians uh, we spent some time in the last few weeks on chapter one. Uh, this is a fairly deep dive. We've got 13 weeks. We're only up to our si- uh, really the, the sixth lesson of 13. Um, we're going to build on what Paul and what we've been talking about uh, in terms of incorporating the mystery of the Lord into our hearts, but then taking it outward. And this, to me, is a is a great lesson because... We spend a lot of time uh, on the podcast, and, and many of our lessons are geared to this, uh, talking about our own personal spiritual journeys as men. This uh, lesson, um, <coughs> in which Paul's writings, it's really only seven verses, but he kind of gives a, a, an encapsulation of how the ideal, genuine church should look. And we can look at it and, and see how we, as individual <coughs> men... Can, can take our personal journeys and incorporate them into action as part of a group or to be quite, to, to use the correct nomenclature, a church. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what a church is uh, because it's got many definitions. Uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Robert for the reading, but listen closely because we've, 
already talked in chapter 1 where Paul has talked about the mystery of Christ, uh, wisdom and knowledge. And those key words reappear, but now he's going to begin talking about it in, a, in, the, in the context of, of being part of a church and a church's ministry. So go ahead, Ron. Okay. Yeah. Colossians 2, um, one, verses 1 through 7. For I want to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for thee, those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So, before we start, let me go ahead and we, we, we talk a lot about the faith muscle as we do this. It's one of our hashtags on our Twitter account. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. It's Faith Muscle. Um, and so we think of faith, Bill likes to say, as a muscle that you have to exercise. And part of that always comes from a word that people don't talk about much anymore called discipline. And if you're a team, first of all, if you're an athlete, we'll start as an athlete. You have your own personal little workout routine you do. That you go and you lift weights, and maybe you do it as part of a group, but in reality, if you're doing weightlifting, if you're, I know a lot about how football works. My, uh, one of my children is fortunate enough to be on equipment staff with the local football team. Has been for several years, so I kind of know a lot about how this works. The individuals go work out in the weight room, and they do their individual things, but then they all come together and practice together. As Christians, we're called to build our faith personally, which is what we're doing, but we're also come, called to come together as part of that faith muscle exercise and worship corporately together where we're doing it as a group. So as Steve said, it's not something we've talked a lot about, but I kind of wanted to throw it out there that, hey, there, there's some really good comparisons here. But, but there, are, there, are, there are other things that are part of that that are also important. You really can't practice religion well you can't practice christianity by yourself um you you can't uh i suppose there is some someone who'll speak for the monastic approach but even even there there's a a brotherhood or sisterhood of believers uh and the church i think also goes and i'm not saying you did this it goes beyond corporate worship of course oh yeah it's there but really the, the church um, I would call it a group of believers who act cooperatively to put their faith into action. And this can, there can be big churches and small. There can be single congregations. We talk of churches as, as a, you know, the church, sometimes the Vatican, which, which makes an institution out of it. Uh, nonetheless, really, the, the church is the community of believers. And so in addition to corporate worship, uh, there is, and, and we see this from the very start, in Acts and, and the letters of Paul. There's, there is support for fellow believers, uh, support and admonishment, uh, correction, as, as we've seen, um, 
And there's especially this outward witnessing for Christ through ministry. Uh, there, the early churches were not only were they were collect make, doing collections from other churches that had promise, that had that had problems or or had had issues going on, needed money. Paul takes up collections for them. Uh, there's also, I mean, there's Paul's example and the example of of Timothy and Barnabas and those who went before him. The, out, the outwardly uh, bringing the word of Christ to the you know to their community to the world and keeping that up both at the local and wider level. And again, sometimes with ministry we think of you know going out and preaching, and we've talked about that. No, the ministry is you know you could be supporting those who go out and preach you can be you can be uh you know helping uh you can be you can be you know doing the accounting for the church for your local yeah, church it's, you it's, can be on personnel committees it's it, the the work of the the work of somebody advancing their faith is not always the one who's out on the front line doing the actual proselytizing but in everything you do no matter how small you can still be Witnessing for Christ and making that a ministry. Yeah, well, I mean, in three weeks, three weeks, four weeks, last week into January, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm driving teenagers oh, for the whole week. Yeah. It's D now weekend, <laughs> and 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 am I going to minister to any kid while they're in my van? I'm going to talk with them. Mm-hmm. Am I going to talk about faith with them? Maybe. More than likely, we're just going to hang out and talk about stuff, you know. And it's just and that's mm-hmm. part of the ministry. Is doing that, and I think you know, like you said, Steve, it's not just about witnessing and preaching and doing all of those things. It's it's going out and you know, last year we put together some new toys for the playground. We had men's breakfast as one of our standard men always do this kind of stuff, but this time we did. You know, we had a breakfast and then we went out and power washed, you know, the playground before Easter, so it would all be cleaned up. You know, but it's mm-hmm. doing those kind of things. Most people don't think about. It. That's all really necessary work that has to be done. Mm-hmm. The I, I stepped out, folks. So if I say something that they talked about, I apologize. So yeah, I stepped out again. Drink of water. Uh, Bill Bill started off in the class. He says, "What do you think of when you hear the word church?" And I, y'all may have already talked about no, that. No, 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 you, no, not yet. You only read the while well, you were gone. We just read. <laughs> okay, we, we read the Bible while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if I've been wanting to say this forever. If you ever heard anybody cough, it's usually Cropper. He has allergies. Even when he does things for him to stop the allergies, it's usually Cropper. So I'm just warning you. I went out and got a drink of water. I, I, I'll tell you what I still believe, because I can remember from the time I was, uh, gosh, from the time I can remember two years old or whatever, uh, I went to Baptist Temple in the Heights. I grew up in the church. Uh, my mom took us to Baptist Temple. <clears throat> and I still, to this moment, when you say that, let's go to the church or refer to the church, I think of a building. It's just natural for me. But what we're doing, Steve and, and Robert, I'm sure, have been talking about the, the passage of Scripture, which says that the church, in fact, is much bigger than a building. It's everywhere. It's everything. What you will know is you might look at your church and you might look at the individuals in your church and see what they teach, what they act, how they walk, how they talk, everything like that. But the Church of Christ is everywhere. It's not just in the building you attend or go to. It's everywhere where you might meet any individual that that believes in Christ and and 
and tries to walk in a way that that uh, is beneficial to Christ and that upholds Christ. Well, and I think as you as you think through it, you know what what does it take? And there were three words Paul used in that last in that last um, verse. He said, "Rooted." built and overflowing mm-hmm. and I think those three mm-hmm. words are fantastic to think about because if you think about yeah. roots you know tree roots have to mm-hmm. go deep and so you know the first thing your faith what we were talking about a second ago the mystery of Christ being fully engaged as members of the church and having your faith I think that's the first thing you have to have and from a church perspective that means doctrinal faith and I'm I'm going to call out some churches, so all hate mail should come to me <laughs> on this. But part of my problem with a lot of our what I call seeker churches, Lakewood comes to mind. Not that there are not there are Christians at Lakewood, please do not send me that. But churches that truly disciple their members, that truly go beyond the spiritual milk and go into the meat and depth of Scripture. Paul talks about um, when I was a baby, I ate like a baby. Now that I'm adult, I need to eat meat. You know, go into the meat of Scripture, really root and deepen your faith. You know, that's where churches can really grow because part of it is churches are also called to call out the culture for the evil that it is, human trafficking. Um, One of our church members... Um, is the executive director of one of the human trafficking coalitions and spoke, I think it was today, down at the East Fort Bend County Chamber of Commerce. You know, if anybody did not know this, the city of Houston is the biggest human trafficking city in the nation. It's because of our location and everything available. As a church, we should be on the forefront of that. Stopping, that's evil beyond evil. It's up to us to call out the bad things in the culture. We can only do that if we have a deeply rooted faith. You know, but we not only call them out, we must try to do something to, to stop change them. Or yeah, change the them. individuals. To change the right. individuals, yeah. You know, built, you know, we're called to build the church. And y'all chime in here on this. You know, building the church is, is building the church is not about building a building. You know, it, it's like you, Mike. It, it took me years to get over it, too, because in my mind still, when I think of Sugarland Baptist Church, I was here when we built the sanctuary. You know, mm-hmm. I was here I was here when we were Williams Trace Baptist Church on Williams Trace Boulevard, back over at Williams Trace and First Colony Boulevard, before we mm-hmm. moved locations even. So I've seen mm-hmm. one, two, three buildings being built since I've been mm-hmm. a member of this church, selling that location, mm-hmm. moving to a high school for a while, coming here with the gematorium building that we started with, building the sanctuary. And so I'm kind of like y'all in a lot of ways. I have a hard time getting beyond it's the church building, but it's not. But this this is, I think, the opportunity for men to be leaders. Yes. And really a, a church, if it's doing its job, is is setting expectations for what we're talking about. And uh, it's and and I don't. It's it's. I know churches probably run a, a, a walk a line because they don't want to push people in fear of pushing them away. But likewise, a I'll, I'll put this out there: 
if all the church expects from you is to show up on Sunday or worse, show up on Christmas, Easter, and maybe another special Sunday or two, someone's wedding or someone's baptism, it's, it's not doing a good job. And this is, if, if certainly, certainly I hope many listeners are part of a, a vibrant church, but here's a, a chance to step up, be involved, uh, become part of some committee, if you're the great thing about many churches is that they're localized. That uh, and 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 I know that my preference in in has been congregationalist type organizations where where the the a, a, a committee of trustees, elders, or board or board um, of church members run that church, uh, as 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 is in the Baptist case, or as even to some extent is at the the Presbyterian and CRC phase. There is there is a, there are, are larger organizations within that, but the 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 more decentralized, I think, the more opportunity is there is for leadership and for uh, crafting a vision. And I think um, really the expectation. Should be we should get our hands dirty. It's it's not enough to come to church, uh, give some money, especially if you're if you're a young man in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and and certainly able-bodied or able to get out as, as a degree of as, as a point in their career where they can manage a schedule. Uh, one one should think about tithing time as much as tithing money. Um, maybe and for, for you younger guys out there, this may be you know who are on budgets. This may be one way to tithe your time. Um, but anyway, that's this is the idea is that uh, getting your hands dirty, not coming and just hoping someone else does it or funding someone else to do it, but like like Bill does, uh, spend spend one day a week, one day a month even at a loaves and fishes. Uh, visit a sh- visit a show. We got women listeners. If you're women, volunteer time at a shelter. If you're men, volunteer for for Habitat and for Humanity. All this stuff is in your community. That's what's and all this stuff. They are happy to have somebody come down. You do not have to stay at home and feel bad. Look in the newspaper. Oh, look at all these homeless people. Look at all these. What can I do? You can do something. And. Yes. And my, my thing is certainly certainly even if you're not a believer, it's an opportunity to do something. But if you're a believer, certainly you can do this in the name of the Lord. And again, the way I believe it, when it's done in the name of the Lord, I think that's that's where it makes a difference. We, we see, and, and and again, I'm going to get a little political cultural. Secular secular solutions never seem to work as well. But when a church gets together, look what happened at West Texas a few years ago when they had that explosion that was rebuilt in a matter of months yeah look what's going on I, I hate to compare it in Haiti or Puerto Rico those are all secular efforts there is some church stuff but secular governments have been trying to rebuild these and going nowhere and I think the problem I would say the problem I think one has energetic believers who are taking this energy that we've been talking about earlier in the podcast and for the past few weeks, that, that are energized by this rooting of the faith, 
by this overflowing of things that that almost comes from the author talks about that. I'm talking about the author talks about that's the default. He doesn't say we're going to fill ourselves to capacity. We're going to over. We're going to be so over that we're going to be so grateful. We're going to have so much gratitude and thanksgiving that it's going to spill over and can't help but get to other people around us, other souls around us. And it's like, because, you know, it harkens back to Psalm 23. I'm sure that oh, was yeah. on Paul's yeah. mind when he wrote that, perhaps the rooted and the strengthening of faith as well. They all have, they all echo Old Testament scripture. Well, it, they do. And, it, and, it, and it's really, like you said, Steve, I think it's we're really called out mm-hmm. to, has, has a church and men as leaders to lead out and find those ways. Like you, and I like what you said about tithing time. Because there are a lot of people. Well, I give my, I, you know, I show up every Sunday and I pay my tithe. And yeah, we're really glad you do. But you know what? Um, you know, we're we're fixing to have disciple now at our church. And just to, now, I'm not telling anybody they have to go do this. You go find what you wanted. Well, invite you them. Fit. You invite yeah. them while you're but, talking about it. But but let me tell you what's involved in a disciple now. So we're going to have at least ten homes that I'm aware of. So people have to host. Six to seven teenagers in their home with an adult leader for a weekend. That means we need ten drivers who are driving, and it's not the host mm-hmm. homes. We tend to let them not have to drive, mm-hmm. mainly because they're collapsed when the teenagers aren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have people here running sound for a worship type experience. We have to have tons of people cooking food because meals go to the houses. We do a couple of corporate meals here at the church. So Mm -hmm. people serving and cooking the food. On Sunday, um, we usually get one or two people to help us get the vans, the rental vans, back where they have to be. So Disciple Now in our church will involve somewhere around 50 volunteers total of getting it done. So there's some time you can tie. And that's just an example. And there are many other programs at church. How many people do you need on Sunday mornings to help watch the children for a children's church experience? How many, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's like, well, and our church does not do children's church every Sunday. We do two Sundays a month. The children stay in worship so they can experience corporate worship with everyone else. The other two, they go to get their own experience during the sermon time. But when we do that, we have to have volunteers for that. Uh, Lord's Supper, serving mm-hmm. the Lord's Supper. Wednesday night, choir prayer um, we have a fairly robust music and arts ministry here you know we have full-on orchestra who are all volunteers yeah there are so many ways you can serve in the church the ministries you spoke of my wife's Sunday school class has multiple times over done um, Samaritan's purse where they put boxes together to give people and put things together there's all kinds of ways that you can donate your time as well as your tithe. Tithe is important. We have to have the tithe to keep, mm-hmm. you know, to pay the bills and do the things we want to do as a church. But in reality, if we're called to be fully engaged in our ministry, as you said, Steve, overflowing, because remember we filled ourselves up with marbles. Yes, I know that. We so the water, so the sin is out. So now we're going to fill the marbles up and they're going to overflow out. If we're going to do that, then that's what we're called to do as we look at it. You know, is to go out and really experience that and let people see that joy that we have 
because otherwise they're not going to have anything they want to do. Um, and by the way, what that means, if you've ever heard the phrase, you are the salt of the earth, salt doesn't work if it stays in the salt shaker. <laughs> you got to get out in the world and do stuff with it. Part of, part of the criticism, once again, all hate mail goes to me on this, Robert. <laughs> Um, part of the criticism I have of the church in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, in my formative Christian years, we'll call it, is that there was a big oystering of the church. You know, we had to build the buildings, and then we were going to have a recreational league, which is a good thing, by the way. But, oh, we're going to put a gym in here, and then we're going to have our own smoothie bar, and then we're going to have a coffee shop. And that way you don't have to go out there with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no, no. You're supposed to go out there with them. The programs are here to bring them to us periodically. You know, another great example, we're doing upward basketball at our church. I happen mm-hmm. to know that takes somewhere around 100 volunteers plus to do. Coaches for the team, <coughs> the games, devotions during mm-hmm. the games, you know, scorekeeping, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. Once again, examples mm-hmm. where we're called to overflow. And let the world see us. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to as we get near the end. I'm going to throw out what I usually do when I'm hosting a troublesome question. <laughs> now we're down here in at Sugarland Baptist in the South in general. Uh, we're bucking a trend. Um, churches are more active, and some churches are growing. But you look across most of the United States, certainly Europe. Let's, let's call it the northern part of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, the the Christian church is not growing. Um, the, the author the author puts you know genuine churches are active, moving, <coughs> growing organisms. Now Christianity is growing. It's growing most in the geographic South, uh, Africa, South America, uh, Asia. Um, sometimes in spite of persecution, but nonetheless that's where it's growing. Uh, why you know? Why isn't the church? Uh, why is the church falling on such hard times here in North America in terms of in terms of growing? I mean, obviously, in terms of broad numbers, there are more churchgoers, there are more Christians, but as a percentage of the population, it's less. You're saying why are we not deterring as quickly as well? Well, no, no. I'm asking more why. No, why, are, why are we? I mean, obviously, what? I mean, we talked about some of the things we're doing, and I think certainly that that contributes to the to the life of this church. Right. But you know, what? Someone listening, someone listening in. Let's 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 lay out there. Someone listening in San Francisco. Someone listening in uh, in spite of Ted Keller, Ted Tim Keller's ministry there in in Manhattan. Uh, kind of the secular capsule, Hollywood. Uh, uh, where Christian, where, where where churches are finding a hard time, and maybe I'm I'm being over general. There are probably small towns throughout mid the Midwest that are that are having that where, where churches are having similar problems, and maybe because it's the, the economic situation. Nonetheless, there is a general decline in organized religion in this country, and. Like what is what is going on? Um, and, and 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 can are there people out there? Are, you know, are, are there Christians out there who can actually make a difference in in changing this? I think there is, Mike. You want to address? What do you? What do you? I, I'm I think I'm multiple here. multiple things. <clears throat> I think many of the parents after after the Second World War, 
um, our country has been politically distinguishing between the church and the government. And they said there is no connection there, and that was not ever intended in the Bible. And I don't think it was intended in our country whenever the Constitution was formed. I think the creation of the Constitution of the United States was intended with those who created it believing that there would always be Christians in leadership. And because this country was basically at the time 80 or 90 percent so I, I even know better. You go back to the 60s. Go, the whole, go the, the, much of the, the civil rights movement was driven by church or certainly alongside churches. Martin Luther King was a minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and, and so were many other leaders in, in the civil rights movement. So this, wasn't, this doesn't go back to it. This goes back just uh, uh, 50, 60 years where the, the church was still had, a, had a, what was seen as a positive role in, in the culture. Well, you just probably, <laughs> oh, there you probably just answered the question because mm-hmm. it was in, in our 60s, the 50s prior to that, mm-hmm. when the U.S. Supreme Court decided to take religion on mm-hmm. and separate it from the church and state and say you can't mix the two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the key um, decisions they made was that, that you can abort a baby and that mm-hmm. there is nothing sacred about it. By their decision, there's nothing sacred about the life of a child. And they didn't, I don't think they understood the, the, the consequences of that decision. And also the, the fact, again, once again, I don't think the forefathers pictured a, 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 a court that could control the rest of the country actually, with nine actually people. Actually, it's interesting because actually that's, that might have been a very big turning point. Mm-hmm. And it's a touchy moment, but the 60s... What mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade was 70, 71, 72. 72. 72. Mm-hmm. That's, that, is, that is about really when, when suddenly, uh, I, I guess you, were, you, you may have been, at, at that point it became a matter of choosing up sides. Yes. Either, either That's you, a nice way of putting um, it. At, at or, that, or, yeah, there, there, there we go. At that, because, because, really good way of um, because religion was, was well part of, you know, well, well, Mixed in with the with politics of the time, and, and and even the social goals of the time, that that may have been it. Um, and at that point, that's when that's when I, I think that's when some polarization began. And that is unfortunate. I'm I'm gonna I don't want to get too much into the discussion, no, no, but it is unfortunate because there are many principled. I'm gonna have principled people who are either Democrats, liberals, however you call them, who are Christians, who are believing Christians, and. And ne- do not necessarily follow every single thing. Just like, just like there are <laughs> there are people on the on the conservative side who don't follow every bit of doctrine on the conservative side. Uh, so, but it, it's unfortunate on that. But I think maybe there's that cultural aspect. And, and I think, oh, go ahead. And, no, no. I think part of it is I think it is it's a cultural thing, and in a, in in a way, the church of today has to go back and look at what the New Testament church did because the times we live in are very similar to the times they lived in. Very pagan, very... (sighs) antithetical to Christianity. I won't say anti-Christian, but there are certain parts, yes, but 
they're apathetic or antithetical to Christianity. Mm-hmm. We're that crazy sect that believes mm-hmm. that crazy stuff again, like we were mm-hmm. back in the time of the early part of Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, in the midst of a pagan culture that cared more about pleasure than anything else, that watched, you know, uh, the gladiatorial games. Yes. Sure, mm-hmm. go go to any movie theater that's. We are obsessed with sports, aren't we? Oh yeah, and uh, and, and 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 the availability on the internet, the TV, mm-hmm. everything. I think is is a very source. You were you were mentioning how we should be tithing to the church, and 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 it's very easy to find something to do on Sunday afternoon instead of mm-hmm. coming back and spending time at mm-hmm. church. Oh yeah, and doing and 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 so I think we're we're distracted, and and now whether you want to pin it on the devil. Like many people say, oh, the devil's giving all these things to mm-hmm. us, or is it God actually giving all this pleasure to us, and we're getting distracted and misusing it? Mm-hmm. It's like like the camera. I, I I don't know if that's making sense or not, but y'all remember Browning created the camera, I think, and the camera was phenomenal. Take pictures of your family and yeah. everybody, mm-hmm. but of course somebody's always going to find a use for pornography <laughs> yes. with it, right? Yeah. Oh, so that's- so <laughs> God gives us some great, great, great mm-hmm. phenomenal knowledge. And with mm-hmm. that comes inventions of this yep. this last century that are just phenomenal. And then we, if we're not careful, we abuse it. Find we abuse the goodness yep. when God gives us. I, I would say, but going back to that, what the church can't do, what we members, I'm going to go down to the membership, is to not to not get in, not not play tit for tat for with this choosing up sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and and okay. that's, that's it's very tempting to get into. Well, you know, you're going to have that attitude. Well, I'm going to have that attitude right back. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it might be. This might be a time just to to turn the other cheek and say, well, you might believe what you do. I might disagree with you, but you will be always welcome. The Lord will always welcome you. And if in and. I think sometimes what, what, what maybe hurts the church most, especially with some of the louder spokesmen, where they, where they get into this, well, you're on my side or you're on the secular side. Or you're on my side or you're on their side. And that's, that doesn't help. Because no. all that does no. is build a wall around yourself. No. Uh, let the, you know, let, some people are going to build their walls and you know, they won't let you in. Well, fine. Don't you build a wall. And don't build a wall around your church that prevents people from getting in because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, I, Jesus never. You're not talking Jesus about discrimination. Never you? turned. I'm talking. I'm just. I'm just saying. Jesus never in the Bible. No, Jesus never turns anybody anything. away. I don't mean that in, in yes, a, I know. You're really yeah. no, but Jesus so, never turns anybody away. Yes. Um, he, uh, you know, some people walk away after he might say something to them, and they walk down, you know, the, the downtrodden way. The, the but door is always open. The door is always open, and right. he was most welcoming to the people who needed the most help. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 uh, who were who were who were either either ill in body or or who were sinners, and he I, he dined with them. Uh, never took an us versus them. He the the, the banquet was open. Mm-hmm. That's if you go look at it, the banquet is open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if you're not if if the people I invite don't come, well, I'm going out to the highways and byways because they can all come in. Right. Um, and and I think that's I, I've I've gone on too long here, but no, that's I think no. part of the church. 
Um, and, and, and I think that's how you create a living church. Yeah. Well, it's creating a living church, and it has men being called to lead mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. for us to reach out to the world. And, and, and you, you touched on this, Steve. Mm-hmm. It's up to us as men and leaders to make sure that everyone understands that everyone is welcome in the church. You know, people mm-hmm. like to say uh, the hospitals aren't for the people who are well, they're for the people mm-hmm. that are sick. The church isn't for the people who are well. It's for the mm-hmm. sinners in life to come and reach out. So it's up to us to do two things. Number one, make sure it's open, but number two, make sure it's open to everyone. And I think that that's one of the things, because then you do get um, the tit-for-tat thing, I think. <laughs> if you're not careful at that point. Well, we've covered we've covered a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so um, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, we'll continue next week. Uh, any closing thoughts? I think we will. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to okay. share just a okay. moment. In the uh, previous lesson, folks, we talked about um, in Colossians 1, 24 through 29, on the mystery of Christ and, and Paul talking about all the things he enjoyed, including sufferings, and that you can have a joy in that while you're suffering, as long as you're serving the Lord and doing what you believe and wants you to believe. The author of that particular lesson, and uh, again, we're in Connect 360, uh, made a final paragraph on page of, uh, 53 in, in the book, if you guys happen to have it, which I don't believe you will, but... Uh, it, it hit me between the eyes, and uh, the author spoke this. He says, I spent the first 20 years of my life, my Christian life, living mm-hmm. religion. He said, my faith was all about attending church, and by the way, I, can, I put in 19 years there, mm-hmm. because I was 19 when I, when I decided to follow the Lord. He said, my faith was all about attending church, tithing, asking the blessing before meal, and trying not to curse or think evil thoughts. Or, and I will add lustful thoughts if you're a male in your teen years. Uh, I love God as much as I could. He doesn't say as much as, as I should. He says as much as I could, but I had no idea what that meant. He said the real nature of the Christian life was hidden from me. Even though I did a bunch of Christian things, he said my whole life changed in college when I realized that the Christian life is Christ living in me. And that's exactly what happened to me, folks. Christ Christ empowered me to do things that he would do. When I understood this, when I grasped the empowerment of allowing Christ to live in my life, in and through me, I understood what I had been missing. And folks, that's the mystery of Christ and the hope of glory living within you. Robert. Social media, where to find us on Twitter and Facebook? Yes, so, <laughs> Twitter, Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Uh, Facebook, Man Up Sugarland. And always can reach every bit of our social media at www.manupspiritualoasis.com. Um, we'll get you to all of our archive podcasts on SoundCloud. You can search and find us as well on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. And um, iTunes. iTunes. I always forget about yes. iTunes. <laughs> so you can Ford find our Apple. podcast on Ford all of those Apple. locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and please um, go out there and lead it. Um, Twitter account is really firing up. I'm starting to tweet a little more um, now. So please follow us on Twitter. Drop a comment there. 
tweet something back, mm-hmm. share our tweets. Um, always looking forward to that. But follow us on our media. Uh, be looking for some things from us at Linton time. Okay. I'm working on some devotionals for mm-hmm. men in Lent. And so, and then, and just to remind you, as as as, as Robert's saying, we're we're regular guys, so. We're not we're not authorities, so if you've got a bone to pick or something to say or or, or someone I'll to come and test, yeah. 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 Send, them yeah. send them all to Robert. 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 Send them all to Robert. Don't remember Stephen Wright. <laughs> yeah. uh, but nonetheless, yeah. So so uh, don't have, don't believe, please comment. Let us know if there's something you want us to talk about, something you want us to keep in mind. Certainly give us uh, give us a shout. Uh, you've been listening to the Man Up podcast. See you next time. You've been listening to Man Up. You want anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.